Hi, my name's Liesl. I'm 24. I'm from the upstate of South Carolina and I'm a Love Island expert. I'm definitely going to be going for what I want in this podcast. Hi, I'm Benjamin. I'm 27. I'm a podcaster from Easley and I love having nice chats. Tonight. I guess we can just go ahead and talk about this a little bit. It's not necessarily just about who can snog the best. I'd like to keep my options open, please. Like, I'm not closed off yet. Love starts to blossom. That was the nicest thing anybody's ever done to me. We're talking to each other. We like each other. Maybe we kiss. Emotions are heightened and you say things in the moment. Tensions hot up. And it was so immature and she didn't read the room and like... You're wrong. You're doing... You should be taking your own advice, but you're blind to that. Why would you ever say that? That's... Yeah, that's insane. And one thing will be said that can't be unsaid. I'm such a hypocrite. I don't know what's coming out of my mouth. Ron, this is a plastic baby. It's okay that she's been coupled up with so many guys because she's in here to find her one, but it's not okay that you have because you are not in here for the right reasons. I feel like a dickhead. Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Liesl and, and today I'm joined by Benjamin. Benjamin, say hello. Hello. It's so nice to be here with you, Liesl. <laughs> Thanks. Glad to have you for my <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what a nice podcast you have here. <laughs> yes. Affable Chat. Listen to it on all streaming services. That's right. You're, they're doing it right now. So I mean, <laughs> incredible. And today on Affable Chat, we are going to be discussing Love Island Season 9. So... Benjamin, how did you watch Love Island season nine? I watched it on Hulu uh, with and without ads, sometimes at my place with no ads and someplace at, sometimes at your place with ads. <laughs> and um, yeah, I guess that was the other way that I watched it was with you entirely. Mm-hmm. It was uh, never on my own. And it was after the entire run of season nine. So it was completely at the pace that we were willing to go. Uh, not having to wait for the next episode to air. Yeah. Although at the end, I would say we watched a ton back to back to back because I think we put a deadline on ourselves. We put in some shifts towards <laughs> the end there to try to get through it because uh, it's a lot of episodes. Yeah. And they're all like between 45 minutes and some are over an hour long. Yeah. So um, I guess another thing to note just while we're talking about how we watch it is we did or I never watched any of the after darks or the after sun after sun. Yeah. So we, we <laughs> skipped all of the after sun and we also skipped all of the unseen bits. Right. Um, which is usually how I watch Love Island. If I know there's like an exceptionally funny one where something goes viral, I will watch the unseen bits because that's where they're more themselves, I feel like. Um, but I'm not interested in After Sun. That feels too real for me. And um, I did watch the reunion, though. I know that you didn't watch the reunion episode, so I'll have a few more like insightful things to talk about later. But yeah. So what were the pros for season nine? Pros. So um, incredible production quality. Uh, just, uh, you know, reality TV is very watchable. And I think they put this together very well in a, a way that was very pleasing to the eye and, and kind of addicting. I love the British accents. Uh, this is probably the first time in my life that I've been able to actually no, this and the British baking show are the ones where I'm like, ah, I guess British accents aren't all the same and they are very regional. 
despite the country not being that large. So I, I enjoyed that. The there's irresistible drama. You know, I, I as much as I love to kind of poo poo reality TV, I was drawn in by the drama and the storylines and all the relationships and stuff. So I, you know, that's as a pro for me. There's a surprising amount of wholesomeness in this show that I did not expect at all. I thought this show was going to be cutthroat and just drama, but I was surprised how much I enjoyed the friendships, even not in couples, like just people being friends with each other. And also uh, some of the couples I thought were wholesome as well. I enjoyed the ridiculous challenges especially when they would make them hyper edited. I <laughs> thought that was cool. I really do respect the production crew from Love Island. I think that being able to take a semi mundane situation and turn it into something that is just really cool to look at is, is impressive. Um, so I, I definitely enjoyed that as well. And, um, they just do a good job of making you get attached to these people. Um, again, going into it, I didn't think I would care and I came away caring. So I think that's a, that's a pro for me. Yeah. I would echo almost all of those pros. I think it's super impressive as well. The production quality is just insane. We're definitely going to talk about, about the production later in this episode. Um, but my pros were, it was fun to watch, especially with another person, um, and get to chat about all of the drama just between the two of us and decide who we think is right and wrong. Um, and like most reality TV, you get to watch someone else's life and mistakes, their flirting, their cringiness, um, and it can be enjoyable to escape your own reality. And I really enjoy thinking about how I would be a producer on the show, like how I would manipulate the situation to be shown in a certain light. Um, so it just even like thinking through that whole process is interesting to me, even though I'm not an actual producer on Love Island. But yeah, what were your cons for Love Island? Cons. So especially because it has actually been a little while since we finished uh, season nine, looking back, I think there's a lot of the show that's largely forgettable. There's so you have to watch so much TV to get through a season of Love Island. And unfortunately, a lot of that just kind of goes in, you know, goes in and then just gets deleted from your memory. So um, I, like that's that's tough. You know, it does kind of feel like I'm wasting a lot of time doing that. There's also a lot of frustrating petty drama, less than I expected, but there still was enough where I'm like, this is a this is a chore to watch these people be immature. Uh, so that was not my favorite. I honestly felt like the ending was super abrupt. The obviously there's like they're building up to this kind of like uh, announcement at the end, but it was almost like, okay, you win the end, yeah. and it just kind of cuts off, which. For a show that takes so long to watch, it just felt kind of like a really sudden stop. And uh, I, again, it's weird because the game is kind of not even about winning. So I, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like that part just was a little bit confusing to me. And finally, my biggest con is that the point of this game is to be a clout shark. No matter what anyone says, or what the game's stated mission is. We all at this point know what these people are here for. So uh, which I think is like, not necessarily lame, but it's like if they were upfront about it, then I definitely wouldn't watch. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all all very true. Um, it, my cons were also it was a very, very long process to watch from start to finish. Um, I did watch the reunion very recently. It was like two days ago uh, just so that I have some reminders. And it was a pretty good summary of what happened, although I agree with you. It was so much that a lot of it ended up being forgettable. 
and they were mentioning some stuff that occurred and I was like, wait, what? Like, what are they talking about? <laughs> but it wasn't like easy to go back and figure out what what even happened. So I either like Googled it to figure out if there was an article about it or I was just like, well, I guess I'll, I'll not remember because I'm not watching this again. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it's difficult to watch all of it. I feel like that was my main con. Yeah, no, I think, and I think what you just said is so true is it's like, I'm definitely not going to watch it again, you mm-hmm. know? And it's, again, not every content you watch has to be rewatchable, but I mean, that's definitely a quality this does not have. I mean, there's a few moments that I maybe would want to revisit, but it, it was more entertaining to have those moments revisited during the show so they could influence more of the show as opposed to me being like, you know, season seven just had like such a great arc. Like I have to go back and revisit <laughs> that one or episode seven. You know what I'm saying? Like right. it just doesn't have the, uh, something that you would want to return to. Mm-hmm. So overall, what did you think of love Island season nine? So I have a whole spiel here. So if you'll allow me to, to step up onto my soapbox. So it's ironic that we call it reality TV because the whole point is that it's not real. People are not really this attractive. Life isn't all communal beds, coffee, pool time, and parties every night while you search for the love of your life. The place where you spend all your time is probably not this beautiful, and getting a text is not that exciting. It's interesting to be dropped into a mega popular reality show like Love Island in its ninth season because you have compounding factors that remove it even further from reality. At this point, the players aren't just aware that it's a TV show. They also have seen the show for years, not to mention that some of them have been on the show before. To say that this show is about finding your true love is at best partially true. At worst, it's not about that at all. You you don't even have to be that cynical to admit that this show is about launching your career as a social media influencer. So we've got a show where attractive people barely wear any clothes while they kiss each other and occasionally take part in competitions where the rules are clearly made up and the stakes are non-existent. Everyone wants to stay on the show for as long as possible, maybe so they can win, but definitely so they can gather as much clout as possible. So why do we watch? Well, I think it's because it's fun. The production quality is really next level. Everyone's mic picks up their voices easily. There are cameras literally everywhere, but you don't notice them while you're watching. Everything is so well manicured and edited. Even moments that are obviously forced to happen by producers can easily escape perception because the show is so well crafted. Storylines are weaved whether they are actually happening or not. The result is an addicting show that is extremely watchable. Maybe it's junk food TV, but we can't always be watching the Criterion Collection, okay? Sometimes we just want to cut loose and spend some time getting steamy in the villa. (laughs) I think that was really well put. I appreciate you standing on your soapbox and telling me your thoughts. Yeah, no, I'm happy to have, have seen a season of Love Island. I do think that reality TV is a huge market. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people in my life who watch a lot of it. And it's again, like I said earlier, it's easy to poo poo it and say, Oh, reality TV, like stupid, dumb waste of time. Uh, but I think first of all, you could levy a lot of the same arguments against sports. If you don't look at sports the way I do, I love sports, but I can understand why someone else would be like, (laughs) 
wait, you can't like the, you're kidding me. One of the teams won the championship again. Like, you know, <laughs> it, you can easily get to a point where it's like, that's not, that's mm-hmm. a waste of time too. So it's really in the eye of the beholder. And I'm happy that I went through the gauntlet of watching an entire season of love Island so that I can kind of, uh, experience it and give it a chance. Um, so I'm happy that we're, I'm even capable of having this conversation with you. Yeah. Um, I overall, I thought it was fun. Definitely. It was juicy, drama filled, easy to watch while we were just having dinner. Um, it was one of those shows that we just watched while we were also doing other things. Yes. <laughs> like doing laundry or going to the bathroom during the episode and not having to rewind. Yes. <laughs> um, or not even having to think too hard. It was it was something that I didn't have to remember what happened four episodes ago because new drama would be happening and I didn't have to remember the plot to figure out like the ending. It was it was fine. Not to mention every episode starts with a remember this from last yeah. time. This is important. So <laughs> yeah, I remember last time when this other drama happened. Well, tonight there's going to be new drama. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, the other thing I like about Love Island, which is maybe silly, but I like getting like fashion inspiration um, for outfits and swimsuits. After all, these are the current like it girls and it guys in the UK. Um, so I also I find it intriguing how the public gets to sway a lot of the decisions as well as obviously the producers behind the scenes. Um, And it's funny that you mentioned other reality TV because this really is the only reality TV I've watched before. And it is kind of cool that I chose one of, if not the most popular show in the UK. So yeah, I feel like kind of what you were saying, fulfilled in the sense that I can now understand why people watch reality TV, but not feel like I need to watch anymore. Right. And I, I, first of all, let me agree with your fitspiration like <laughs> take there because you're right. There was a lot of great fits. It's honestly one of the things that in like blew me away was how much, how many like clothing combinations everybody had. Mm-hmm. I felt like they were always wearing something fresh, even though I know sometimes they're wearing the same thing. Like Kai with the eternal American sports fan wore that Oakland A's jacket a bunch. But, um, I guess one thing that you're equipped to do that I'm not equipped to do is compare this season to other seasons of Love Island. So mm-hmm. is there anything that you feel like this season brought that other seasons didn't? I guess in what terms? Well, maybe in like drama. I saw that this was the first season since like season three that nobody was thrown out or walked off. Okay. Yeah. No, I can talk about that. So the earlier seasons, people had like sex on television way way more often i think it did happen this season but like it wasn't obvious and like we only knew because they talked about it but earlier seasons it was wild how much you got to see um also earlier seasons i think through season like four or five i don't i don't like don't quote me on that but they were able to smoke in the villa so there was like a smoking section you couldn't smoke anywhere (laughs) but like it was like people would go over and take their smoke breaks. And so you had these glamorous, beautiful people who were also like going off taking a smoke break. And so the public were kind of torn about it. <laughs> was that ever a thing where people were like, oh, she's great, but I don't date smokers? Yeah, yeah? definitely. Oh, cool. It was it was a turnoff for some people. But the like the fact that it was where the public could see it. Yeah. Um, it was kind of controversial. So it was like one camp was like, we shouldn't have these smoking areas for the Islanders because it's bad and we're glamorizing smoking. And then the other half was like, well, if they have to smoke, they have to smoke. But now they've completely banned it. There's not smoking allowed. And I think they fell to the like, 
we don't want to glamorize smoking because these are beautiful people and we're trying to <laughs> glamorize the people so we can't like discourage the habit without like banning it basically. It was surprising to me that there was um, also not like heavy use of alcohol. Yeah. So we'll get into that. But one of the rules of the island is on the first night and then a few other nights, like maybe the first night of Casa more. Um, where they want the islanders to get to know each other and talk more, they'll allow them to have uh, alcohol. Don't think it's like unlimited. Um, but after that, it's a two drink like max. Mm-hmm. And it does depend on the person. So if somebody's a super lightweight, really? they might only give them one drink. And sometimes it's watered down. And there's tons of islanders who've said this. And I think between the seasons and the different villas, the rules might like tweak a little bit. So it's hard to get a complete consensus without having the rule book myself. Um, but after doing like the research, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much the consensus we've got is the two drink limit. That's interesting. Yeah. Especially. I think that did change after first season. I think it was unlimited first season. First season was insane. Like, I'm not even joking. (laughs) Like, somebody got married. Like, somebody got engaged when they did their little vow thingy at the end. Wow. Yeah. And and there have been, like, marriages and kids. I believe it. Long-term relationships out of this. Um, But nothing as wild as, uh, I think... I can't remember his name, but he like got down on one knee during the little declarations of love right. and proposed <laughs> and they didn't win. <laughs> so I think a lot of people thought that he did that to try and win. But I mean, if they're still together, the season, then you know. could still call him a winner. You know? uh, yeah, but I don't think they are. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry. I, I should have fact checked all of these things I'm throwing out. But uh, yeah. And then I, I would say like in terms of the season, pro- seasons progressing, the outfit the fashion like i think i think it's always been on top of the trends uh, at least for the uk I believe that, and like sure. we don't live in the uk so it is kind of interesting to like be in the u.s listening or watching a uk like television series but i definitely follow some people on instagram like you know the social media influencers and i think that they definitely are like the forerunners of like fashion so absolutely yeah and you don't have to be i feel like our we, we trade culture with uh the uk enough where it doesn't it's not like oh this would be fashionable in the uk but it's horrendously ugly in the united states like i do think that um when you're in an arena like dating appearances are everything so Mm -hmm. just by the nature of the game you're gonna have people who are you know working hard to look good Mm -hmm. so why did you watch love island season nine benjamin I think, <laughs> like I was thinking about this, I honestly don't remember. I think it was just because we finished Community and it was your turn to pick something. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew you were a veteran of Love Island. <laughs> and I knew I was signing up for a long journey, but knowing you and knowing your history at the show, I knew it was going to be a worthwhile adventure. Yeah, I, th- I was trying to remember um, why we got into it as well. I'm pretty sure you're right that Community ended and you had chosen that show. So I was up next to choose but I feel like I wasn't committed to showing you the whole thing I think we watched one episode and I was like oh okay that's it do you remember that I remember watching an episode of season eight a long time ago yeah that was a while ago and then after yes and I do remember early in season nine I don't think we had committed to watching the whole thing Mm -hmm. but I liked it yeah and I think I was surprised because you were like oh are we gonna watch Love Island tonight and I was like wait, you want to watch Love Island again? <laughs> and then, yeah. And then it was just like the rest is history. We literally got caught up in it. We both enjoyed the drama. We liked talking about it. And um, there were definitely nights where I was like, all right, I'm going to go home. And you were like, no, can we watch one more? <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what reality TV does to you, the drama. Absolutely. And it's not the type of show 
I don't think it's the type of show, even though the first episode is really good in the sense that like they do so much. It's almost overwhelming how hyper edited the introductions to everyone. It's like if you've never seen Love Island before, you're like, is this a is this a reality show or is this a sitcom? Like, is this a drama mm-hmm. featuring 10 actors or a satire of a reality? Yes, TV show? Like exactly. it totally could be if it, you turned that extra dial. I agree. Cause there's like, you know, there's kind of two different lenses that love Island is filmed through. There's like the normal lens that you see most of the show through. And there's the, everything is in slow motion and super crystal clear, uh, you know, hyper, uh, kind of fancy looking uh you know sequences and that first episode has a lot of that so it was kind of i was like trying to figure out what the show was but that wasn't necessarily what drew me in uh watching multiple episodes you started to get into the drama to get into the who these people are you start to make predictions about them and and seeing if you're right and that's where it really starts to snowball that's where you start to build some momentum yeah i agree and i feel like when you get into the fun things like the challenges or like the recouplings, like those things actually like do keep you on the edge of your seat. And they do that for a reason, right? Like they'll start a recoupling, but you don't actually find out who gets dumped until the next episode. And so it's like, oh, we've got to, we've got to watch the next episode. So I, I agree. Like once you've built up that momentum, you, you kind of get stuck, um, which is interesting because um, I, I mentioned that I was an expert of Love Island earlier. Uh, so I watched my Love Island journey started back in 2019. I was studying abroad and um, I started watching because my flatmates watched and I was like interested. And I was in New Zealand and I knew there was like a UK version and an Australia version. And it was free to watch on this app on my phone since my flat didn't have a TV. Um, and I could also watch my laptop, I think. But uh I had a lot of time when I was studying abroad, which sounds weird because it feels like you're like going to be super busy, but like your friends aren't there, your family isn't there. So I had a lot of downtime and I only took three classes abroad. It sounds so bad, but I had a lot of time to watch this TV. This sounds a lot like other study abroad that people <laughs> have told me about. So I wouldn't be embarrassed. I'm jealous of anything. Yeah. So at the time, I think there were like five or six seasons. I don't know. I, I don't have the actual timestamps, but now there are nine and I've watched every season of the UK version aside from a season eight. We did watch a few episodes, but a bit of I, a failure to launch. Yeah, there. failure to launch. I feel like we didn't get to the point where like we were interested or like I don't even think we watched three we watched episodes. episodes. We watched yeah. like two, I think. Yeah. Um, and then again, like I usually don't watch After Sun and I don't really watch the unseen bits. So whatever, almost eight seasons or so of Love Island. And I also watched two seasons of Love Island Australia. So when Jesse came on in season nine, I was like, Benjamin, I know her. Like, yeah, what she's is my this? bestie. The crossover episode? Yeah. I was like so shook because I was like, oh my gosh, I know exactly who that is. Um, and so throughout the season, I was able to like, oh, this is going to happen yes. next. And Benjamin was like, how do you know that? Yes. And I was like, babe, I've seen so many of these episodes and it's kind of cringe and kind of sad, but like <laughs> I, I have, I just know. <laughs> it was uncanny your ability to predict the, the show really. And it, I wouldn't even say it was like some sort of um, necessarily like some sort of thing where you're like, it's not that necessarily that you know people and you're like able to predict people's it's like you're understanding the dynamics of this competition and what both like make sense for the players and what makes sense for the producers to try to make happen. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you ended up being right about that. 
so I, yeah, it was it was incredible. And I, as a first time viewer, I don't understand the beats of the show yet. I I don't I'm not uh up to like I don't understand the trends. I don't know what history has taught us in this you know these same situations. So I would have some other prediction and be like, no, I'm definitely gonna get this one. And basically never was right. That's another thing that makes it entertaining is from my perspective as someone who doesn't know the show it's like they kept me on my toes but it was crazy how much you were firmly on your heels uh, <laughs> just very confident about what was going to happen yeah and and going back to one of the biggest reasons i like watching the show is because i like to pretend that i'm a producer and so being able <laughs> to catch those little like 0.5 seconds longer of the camera on olivia's face instead of whatever's face it's like oh well olivia's going home you know like that oh, yeah. sort of thing i picked up on and it like I guess if I get nothing else from watching this much Love Island, like if I have that, then that's that's all I need. Um, <laughs> but with that being said, I feel like my Love Island journey might be over. Like, I don't think I might like we'll watch another season. You're retired. I think I might be retiring. I, and I know it's hard to say, but like, I don't know. It's been a four year journey and it's been a lot of Love Island. Yeah. yeah um, and after watching. So like prior to watching season nine, I always watched alone except for right at the beginning when I was watching some with my flatmates. And so I was also single at the time. So it made a little bit more sense to watch really attractive people on TV. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so now it's like, okay, I can watch my boyfriend. That's fine. But for all the reasons that we said were cons, I don't think I would want to watch again. I feel like I have a lot more important things to do with my time now. Um, and I think I enjoy other uh media a little bit better like reality yeah. tv isn't something that i want to like commit to sure and i think you're right like once you do commit it's like you have to you want to see what the end result is and that is like a 60 episode commitment right. that i don't think i want to make again in the future um and again after seeing so much it's like okay i already can call like all the shots like i already know what's going to happen so it doesn't make it that much more interesting it was fun to do that like and impress you or like watch it with you and get your takes on it um but yeah, would you watch another season or is this your retirement as well? Are you a one and done? Well, I would say the next step for you is to become a producer on Love Island. Oh, okay. I think that's the next logical step for okay, you. I'll, I think I'll you're send ready. my application in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I um, I would maybe watch another season of Love Island if I was in another season of life, maybe. Okay. Uh, because Love Island isn't a sitcom you can't just drop into one episode and expect to get anything out of it. Your enjoyment builds as you become more familiar with the dynamics between the Islanders. You develop a parasocial relationship with them. And I think that's why there has to be so many episodes. Because the more time you spend with the Islanders, the more impactful the dumpings are. The more shocking the drama is. You, you can't send such and such couple home i love them okay so i like that i think i would enjoy watching another season of love island much like i enjoyed watching this one but i would want to do it different i would want to watch it as it comes out and i would want to participate in the voting if i'm even eligible to do that as a american well season 10 has begun but let me say, like, <laughs> let me reiterate i would need to be in a different season of life okay i got fair. too much on my plate right now to do that but maybe someday 
I don't know how it would happen because I've, I feel like I always fill the void in my life with more and more stuff. And there's always more that I would like to do. But I, what I'm trying to get across is that I do think that if I was in a situation where the, the calculus made sense, where I was able to commit that kind of time to it, I think it would be really fun to, to keep up with it on like a day-to-day basis and watch it as it comes out. That's, yeah. That was the part that I didn't get to experience because of the way we watched it. Yeah, I've never watched it live as it came out. I think we we were actually watching it live as it came out when we watched season eight, or at least we um, watched two episodes and it was coming out. They had like five or six episodes out. Um, But yeah, season 10 is coming out right now and I've already decided not to watch it at least now as it's coming out. So I agree with you. Um, Okay, so let's go ahead and dive right in. we talked a lot about couples and coupling and recoupling. We haven't actually talked about any of the people on season nine. So who were your favorite couples and why? Definitely Will and Jesse. Okay. I thought they were the least cool <laughs> and that made them endearing. They seemed to genuinely care about each other, despite the fact that they were both really weird. Uh, Jesse, for the most part, she can do both. She has a normal side that meshed well with the other Islanders and made it seem like she could play the game and win. But she also had a dorky side that meshed really well with Will because Will was just strange through and through. Uh, And I think like looking at their whole relationship, I think Will was beyond stupid for kissing Layla. Like I honestly could not believe it as I was watching it. It just didn't seem real. Didn't seem like it made any sense at all. Uh, but I also think that Jesse held a grudge about it for too long. And that was cringe. But other than that, for the most part, I thought that they were great. And I liked seeing them happy. And I wanted them to be together. Uh, so that was definitely one of my top couples. Yeah. Uh, I would say I really liked them, but they were not my top couple. Um, Sammy and Tom were my top couple. And I definitely rooted for them the entire second half of the series. I had to think about at what point they became my favorite. And I think it was after the whole movie night debacle where I was like, Sammy, you're so dumb. Just take Tom back and get over it. And she did. Whereas Jesse, like you said, like took a lot longer. And it was hard for me to root for them after that because it was annoying to me that Jesse like held that over him for so long. So I feel like that's when Tom and Sammy slid into first place and they just rode that out for the rest of the series for me. And I think I was blinded by their attractiveness, but I feel like they seemed the most normal, but also interesting because Kai and Sanam were also very normal, but they were not interesting. They were so boring. They definitely grew on me in the last like three episodes, but I genuinely think that was the producers pushing us to be like, come on, give all four of these couples a fair chance. Like Sanam came in and Casa Moore. And, um, and so anyway, Sammy and Tom definitely was rooting for them. Um, and it was easy to forget how many couples Tom was in before Sammy. Um, he wasn't in that many couples though, right? I think he was in like five. I looked at the Wikipedia and I was surprised how few uh, Tom was in. But he, def- he kissed three girls before Sammy. But did he? But was he in a couple with them? I'm pretty sure he was in couples as well. Either way, he was in a lot of couples and he kissed a lot of people while with Sammy as well. I mean, he kissed Lydia while they were at Casa Moore. The um, yeah, the Wikipedia is actually really cool because it has like. A timeline of all the couples oh wow so tom was with zara and then ellie and then sammy for the rest of the show okay so he kissed zara ellie and lydia so he was in 
fewer couples than girls he kissed. <laughs> I don't know what that says about Tom, but uh, I, well, if we want to get into the details on Tom, I actually think he played the game really, really well because whether like, I don't know where these people draw the line on like what a relationship is because people will be like, they'll say, I love you to each other, but they're like, Oh, but I'm not committed to this person. But then it's like, Oh, I kiss this person. It's like, Oh, well you've totally ruined it. Cause kissing is too far. Uh, personally, I don't think kissing it, kissing someone is too far. I don't know if you've made like a emotional commitment necessarily. You, that's a step in the right direction. But I felt like Tom established his boundaries. He was there to have fun. And if the right person showed up, he was going to be in a relationship with them. And I never felt like he was doing something like um ron who mm-hmm. would be like oh i'm totally in love with you but i owe it to myself to like go see this other person like that's i feel like a snake behavior and i never felt that way about tom i did feel like sammy uh sammy came down hard on him tom and sammy are the uh, like another one of the my favorite couples and i think you know that just from watching the mm-hmm. show with me because i agree they seem normal and they seemed level-headed They were able to, for the most part, get through their uh, squabbles in a reasonable way. I do think that Sammy uh, was a little bit less level-headed than Tom, uh, especially with movie night. But I think what you're saying with your timeline on when you liked them and when they slid into first place for you, uh, what kind of lines up with Tom's poem? Because <laughs> that's kind of the the like the the turning point when she kind of ga- like forgave him and the groveling paid off. That was the nicest thing anybody's ever done to me. Which is like a, such an admission of like a very tough life. Yeah, that awful. I know she was like that was the sweetest thing I've ever heard, and it's like four sentences that barely <laughs> run. But but I uh, have to second your uh, your motion that. Tom and Sammy were by far the most attractive couple. Yeah. Uh, this show has made me understand the appeal of like Barbie and Ken and like having a dollhouse mm-hmm. because it, I was like, now kiss like they need to, <laughs> they, I want the, for the pretty ones to get to be together. And um, that was a big reason why I wanted them to be together. And I wanted them to win because even in a villa filled with attractive folks, I think they stood out as the most aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. But in a much more real sense, I liked Kai and Sanam as a couple. And when I say real, I mean on like a values and shared goals level, because I feel like even though they were boring, we got to know them towards the end. And it was revealed that they had they both are in work that is serving the public and, um, you know, they're religious and they're but like they have those foundational values that are common between them that I believe leads to a long lasting and happy relationship because you know looks don't last forever Mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily just about who can snog the best if you're actually (laughs) trying to go the distance with this relationship I think kind Sanam had their focus on the things that actually matter um you know, and also they are wildly attractive as well. They're mm-hmm. no Tom and Sammy, but they still had that. So uh, that was something they were kind of a, like late bloomers for me where I was like, you know what? I actually do like their relationship. And it almost seems like they're doing this for um, actually for love and not for clout, which I understand is a strategy for gaining clout. So I, I don't know. Um, I haven't really looked at their social media presence since then, but um, 
it did seem like they were trying to build a good relationship as opposed to win the game or Mm -hmm. even as well as win the game, maybe I'll say. Yeah, I would agree totally. And I think it's funny and a little bit ironic that they would probably be the ones that we would most likely be friends with. Oh, yeah. Like outside of the villa. The other ones we don't have anything in common with. We're not that attractive. Like, I don't know. Hey, we, hey, hey, come on. Give us some We're credit. not as attractive as Tom and Sammy, okay? Um, we definitely wear more clothes than they do on a regular basis. This is, this is true. Um, but yeah, I think that's why they grew on us toward the end. And um, I guess we can just go ahead and talk about this a little bit. Um, in the reunion episode, they were asked what they were going to do with their prize money because a lot of couples will buy a house or will move in together or I don't know, will be partners in a brand to deal with something. Yeah. Um, something to like for their own gain. Uh, and you mentioned, so Kaya is a teacher and Sanam is a social worker. So they bonded over like the, their love of like children and trying to make the world a better place. And they talked about that. They hadn't really like, uh, figured out the details, but they wanted to invest in, some sort of thing that would help kids. Um, so they would like donate their money wow. is what they kind of were like hinting toward. And I didn't do any follow up, uh, follow up research because that was aired like right after they won. Um, so they didn't have very much time to like think about that, what they want to do. But yeah, I'm interested to see if that's what they ended up doing with their 50,000 pound like winnings. Yeah, I mean, that would definitely align with what the things that they said on the show. Mm-hmm. Although, I guess, have other winners said what they've done with the money? Because I could definitely see that being like a common answer. Where it's like, what would you do if you win the lottery? It's like, oh, give it to charity. You know, yeah. it's like in front of a crowd. You know, you don't want to sound selfish. Yeah, no, that's fair. I've, I'm not sure. I know... Um, Paige and whatever her man's name, they bought like a house with it. They were like, we were going to use it as a down payment or whatever. So I don't think that they're like worried about what people think about them at this point. They've already seen them living for eight weeks, you know? I'm actually thinking that they could have, you know, if they wanted to be selfish, they could try to turn that money into more money. They could buy that money. They could use that money to buy their own villa Mm -hmm. and host their own reality TV show, Love Kyland, where (laughs) (laughs) they try to make uh, more couples and, uh, you know, somehow create their own following there. There's a lot of options there. Yeah, that, you know, that, that sounds really, like a really good idea. I don't know how they didn't already think about that. That builds on the whole clout thing uh, right. that the original show is about. <laughs> um, so obviously we talked about how we didn't guess the overall winner. I think we both wanted Sammy and Tom to yes, win. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then we're very shocked. I was personally shocked by even the top two being Ron and Lana. And Yes. Um, I was surprised Kai they were Sanam. even in the top four. Yeah, I was, I was surprised Will and Jesse got cut out of the top yeah. four. Um, I personally don't love Ron and Lana's relationship. I think Lana seems like a fine girl. She's honestly kind of boring. Everybody thinks she's super nice and like a mom. But when there was a lot of girl drama, she was in the group that I was against. Um, The Claudia and Sammy group was like actually a girl gang. And the other ones were kind of like mean and talked about the girls behind their backs. So that made me look down upon Lana. Also, the way she treated Casey, um, that situation wasn't handled well. And then the fact that Ron did all these bad things to her and she still chose him made me look like 
at her with like less respect. Yeah, definitely. And it's not just about the classic Ron, like being wishy-washy and always having to like give other girls a chance, even though he was supposed to be committed to uh, Lana. It was parents day where he spent the whole day just bringing her down and being like, you're a terrible parent. You're terrible at this. It's like, Ron, this is a plastic baby. Yeah. Like, that was the worst out. episode. Even beyond the episodes where he like chose another girl over her or like would go and kiss something like all of those things he did at the beginning were trumped by that day because yeah, he was like, Oh, this is our future together. You want kids? Well, you're going to be a terrible mom. And it's just like, why would you ever say that? So we just, we just disliked them. Um, and then I would say Shaq and Tanya. So those were the other two who ended up in the top four. And um, I, I wasn't really surprised. I feel like Tanya had enough time since Casa Moore to redeem herself. But I, I don't know. I feel like Shaq reacted a little poorly in certain situations. The first half, I feel like he was very, very good and level-headed. He was the one who I was like, dang, I'm proud of Shaq for being like a man. And then it turned into Tom being that like level-headed guy for the group. And then Shaq would take things. And then Tanya would be super childish and bring Martin back and then blame Shaq for the way he's feeling. And yeah, I was I was also a little disappointed that Shaq was like, all right, I'm done. Like after Tanya brought Martin back and then completely took her back. And I understand situations change and like emotions are heightened and you say things in the moment. Um, but even the way that Tanya said that uh, speech in front of everybody where Shaq was present in front of Martin the day that she cut things off with him. It's so shady and it was so immature and she didn't read the room and like for her to think that she was doing something good while Martin was also there. I don't know. I just don't respect that. And I feel like from then on, I was just like not a big fan of Tanya. Again, she was in that group with Lana of Lana of the like girls talking bad about everybody. Um, yeah. So I just I didn't love them. And I, I feel like Shaq could do better. And I do. I will say Tanya has said a lot of really good things um, in response to Casamore, like when Shaq's sister came in and asked, like grilled her about it. Tanya like put her hands up and was like, yeah, I was totally wrong. And even at the reunion, like she was like, yeah, 100 percent. I'm a hypocrite. Like, I'm, like I'm, I take that back, whatever. Um, so I respect that. And I hope that they move on and they're fine, you know. Um, but yeah, just just not my favorite couple. A little bit surprised. Yeah, Casa Amor is a big problem with Tanya, but it was also that she was just regularly immature. I, I, Shaq had his moments, but everyone has their moments. No one's perfect. Uh, Shaq is human, you know, uh, just like everybody else. So I don't really have a problem with him. The pro I guess my problem with him is that he tolerates Tanya because Tanya is so immature. She is so childish. There are times where she's wrong and her argument for him is that you need to sometimes admit when you're wrong and it's like but he's not wrong you're wrong you're doing you should be taking your own advice but you're blind to that because you're too immature and i just i could not stand how frequently that came up casa more terrible whatever um you can decide if that was worth bringing staying around or not but I just think that um, I feel bad for Shaq that yeah. he's going to have to deal with her if she doesn't, you know, mature a little bit, which again, she's young. She can mature. But uh, throughout the run of this eight week show, she was very there were so many times where I was like, oh, I I couldn't see a relationship with like a level headed person and Tanya working out because yeah. the level headed person is going to get tired of her being erratic. Yeah. And I think the last thing I want to just 
note about that is they were the first couple to say I love you before they became exclusive. And so making sure that you have the boundaries set prior to something like that crazy happening, like when Casa Moore comes around, it's like, what does this mean? What does I love you mean? Like what, what is off the table now? What are our boundaries? How far are we like going with this? And I feel like you're right. That's something that people would throw around like Tom asked Sammy to be exclusive in the hideaway and she came back, (laughs) told her girlfriends and was like, I don't actually know what that means. And it's like, yeah, maybe you should like not be super excited. Maybe you should be like, Tom, what does that mean? Yeah. And verify with like your significant other and figure out um, what's actually happening because a lot of girls also had expectations when they were in couples, even if it wasn't the, the guy's choice. So they were expecting their guy to act like they were in a couple with them without telling the guy what the expectation was, even though the guy didn't choose to be in that couple. So it was a little frustrating to watch. And that's, of course, all the drama stirring. Um, But again, that's the producer part of it and the reality part of it. Well, I guess my question is, is there a set path for a relationship on Love Island? Is it like we are talking to each other, we like each other, maybe we kiss, then we get coupled up, then we say we're exclusive, then we say I love you, then we become boyfriend, girlfriend. Is that like, because what I just explained didn't seem like everyone went down that path. It seemed to me like it was just kind of random and nobody really clearly expressed their expectations. Yeah, no, it it has been like that since season one. I feel like it has evolved where there's more like stages um because yeah Which, you've like, got exclusive and yeah, you've got like, i think a little bit of ambiguity is probably a good thing mm-hmm. because everybody is like i'm not closed off yet yeah, yeah they, they i'd wanna, like to keep my options open please yeah, my head could still be turned all my eggs are not in one basket early doors early days yeah so <laughs> that makes sense because you know you're in the situation that you're in mm-hmm. but at the same time um I f- I'm surprised that like a pattern hasn't kind of arisen where it's like, yeah. oh, they're at this point in that relationship. So it's like a 70% chance that they won't mm-hmm. or whatever. So, um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I don't think that that kind of ambiguity is good for relationships. I think that if you're watching Love Island, you shouldn't write that down and be like, oh, this is my new strategy because that clarity, I think, is super important. Uh, and that's why uh, they a lot of times their relationship are a lot more tumultuous. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so did you guess that any of the couples would still be together after the show? I have to come clean and say, I was like, well, certainly Tom and Sammy will be together. <laughs> I was so wrong. Same. I was like, out of everybody, they're my most solid choice. And then I think Will and Jesse. And again, I think these are influenced by our bias of liking these couples. So yes. we, we're rooting for them. We want them to stay together. Yes. But I genuinely thought the two of them had the biggest, best connection. Even You're talking the, about Will and Jesse? Will and Jesse yeah. and Sammy and Tom. I mean, Sammy and Tom didn't get any votes for least compatible. Mm-hmm. So even the Islanders with them on the show didn't vote them off for a reason and maybe they were compatible in the island but then afterward things kind of fell apart it sounded like they broke up of course they're always ambiguous ambiguous um, with their like instagram messages but i think it was more like a they didn't live together so they had to travel a long way to see each other and they were still trying to figure out life after the island and i think um tom's got his yeah, you know, semi-pro sports right. career to think about. <laughs> so. Yeah, it just seemed like it wasn't going anywhere, um, which I feel like is fair. If you spent eight fair. weeks together, 24-7, just getting to know each other, talking, hanging out, seeing each other every day, and then go back to your normal life, 
trying to visit on the weekends or whatever. It's like that would yeah. be a difficult transition and it, it's not for everybody. I think they're almost too level headed, you know, where they're like, ah, well, this is nice and we really appreciate each other and like each other, but we both will be able to find something else yeah. and that just isn't working out. Like this is not ideal for our current situation. Obviously, I'm putting words in their mouth, but I could see right. that being the situation and both of them being okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also uh, just like you said, I thought Jesse and Will would stay together and also Kain Sanam. I like for the reasons I said earlier, I was like, oh, these people are actually like building something here yeah. um, that's real. So that's why I thought they would stay together. Yeah. And as of yesterday, all, everybody but Tom and Sammy. So <laughs> Will and Jesse were together. Um, Lana and Ron were together. Shaq and Tanya were together and Kai and Sanam were together. Um, the other couple that I knew was not going to be together, who was kind of like up there, uh, was <laughs> Olivia and Maxwell. Um, yeah. definitely knew that wasn't going to go anywhere in the reunion episode. It was still like, um, we're kind of just still exclusive, but we're moving toward like the next stage. And it's like, come on, you were exclusive <laughs> at the last episode that y'all were on. So they didn't seem very like interested in each other. It was still kind of like, I don't know, riding the high of the Love Island wave. And then I also knew that Casey and Rosie would not oh, be together. Oh, definitely not. That was over like immediately. Right. Yeah. Well, I just know one thing for sure is that it, whatever happened to, uh, you know, Olivia Maxwell's relationship, it was totally Maxwell's fault. And oh. he's a total snake and uh, immature and totally mm-hmm. is his fault. He ruined it. And honestly, we should feel bad for Olivia. Ob- absolutely. Yeah. Whatever Maxwell says is wrong because he's a man yes. and because he is well, not I, Olivia. Why does he? <laughs> yeah. And he totally unprovoked breaking up with Olivia like this, or she broke up with him because of something he did unprovoked. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's totally, I mean, what a, what a scumbag. Yeah. Obviously <laughs> Olivia was our favorite character on yes. the entire series. Loved we her. loved every time we, she opened her mouth we did and not cried like, a tear. Yeah. We definitely did not like stand up and cheer when she got sent home. Yeah. That wasn't a thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say on the reunion episode, when they rolled the tapes and showed Olivia's reaction to Kai recoupling after Casa Moore, when she also had a man yes. on her arm, uh, she was like, I said this in After Sun and I'll say it again. I'm such a hypocrite. I don't know what's coming out of my mouth. And then oh, wow. Maya, the hostess, was like, yeah, like I'll speak up for Olivia. Like it's so intense in there and emotions get heightened. You don't know like what time it is, like whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And so I, f- I feel like Olivia, like maybe it's for the clout. Maybe it's so that people don't hate her. Maybe she came out and read all the things and we're like, oh, maybe I should be a good person now. But um, maybe it, maybe she's being genuine. I don't know. I um, think yeah. <laughs> I respect her game. Yeah. I think she is like kind of good at like stirring up stuff. And being able to turn a situation around where she's clearly in the wrong, but she's able to sway people into making her the victim and making other people look like villains. I hate it. I think the people who do that are bad people. But if you're ever going to use that to your advantage, this is the place to do it. So as much as I did not like her and and as much as I was happy that she did not win, thank goodness she didn't win. Um, (laughs) I think it was, I respect the, the game she played. She, was, she came in and she was not going to let other people get any sort of advantage over her. She was constantly giving herself the advantage. And I, I, I don't know, I respect it as much yeah. as I didn't like it. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think you have to have one in every season. There's always the drama queen. There's always 
the pot stirrer, the one who is always the victim, the one who it's okay that she's been coupled up with so many guys because she's in here to find her one, but it's not okay that you have because you are not in here for the right reasons. There's always that kind of girl. Um, and so speaking of well, like, well, okay, go ahead. well, Olivia, I love how much she like gets mad at Tom for being in a bunch of couples because Tom was in three couples. She was with Will, Harris, Spencer, Kai, and Maxwell. Yeah. Five couples, mm-hmm. okay? She definitely jumped around a lot. So she has no... It's like so hypocritical. But again, she's had people on her side who are like, oh yeah, Tom. I can't believe Tom did you like that. Yeah. And I feel like that some of those conversations were just like the girl power, whatever. Um, there definitely was some girl power. Yeah. And I felt like the girls were way more united than the guys. Even though the guys did have each other's backs in situ- certain situations, the girls were a total monolith and mm-hmm. would support each other, especially Jesse. Yeah. In, in situations where it's like, this is such a double standard. Yeah. And I, I like, I enjoyed the fact that they were friends and that they would go to each other with their issues. Um, but they would also talk about each other behind each other's backs. Yes. And at that one point, there were the two different girl camps. And like I've already said, the Sammy, Claudia, Jesse was like definitely my fave. Um, and I, yeah, the Olivia like pot steering, whatever, was not great. And when it was like girl power for the sake of being a girl's girl, even though what like Olivia was saying was wrong, that was frustrating for me. Because it's like, if you're a girl's girl, you really want what's best for Olivia. And sometimes what that is, is telling her that she's wrong um yeah anyway (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so you kind of talked about like game playing coming in with a strategy uh so were you able to tell that there were behind the scenes and producer influence not just from the actual islanders themselves uh kind of yes and no like there's you can definitely tell that there's influence from them like for instance um the people are answering questions about stuff that was happening to them while still wearing the same clothes like they were clearly pulled by a producer and sat down and asked questions about something that just happened to them this is not the office that does not happen in real life are you talking about the beach hut where it's just them yes yeah yeah okay and i think that's kind of easy to ignore or not even notice really when you're watching the show because really what's what that is is it's like a little peek into their brain it's like here's what i'm thinking while this is happening and you get used to seeing that over and over again and you kind of just you don't even think about the fact that it's happening but if you stop for a second you're like wait a minute (laughs) this is happening they're not just out there chilling all afternoon there are people telling them what to do where to go and so once you get into that you're like okay there's definitely pieces that are moving here But I will say a lot of it is pretty well camouflaged and it's not even though like I wouldn't be able to be like, oh, there it was. Did you see that little motion? That was a producer. Uh, I, I was kind of impressed at their ability to do that. To be fair, when you have a whole day's worth of footage and you're whittling it down to 45 minutes, you have a lot of creative control. So I'm not that impressed. But um, yeah, I guess to answer your question, yes, I I could tell to a certain extent there was producer influence. Okay. Um, And I guess we kind of both had the same answer for this. So I'm just going to talk about the specific instance uh, that clued us into this, which I've noticed this in other seasons where there's random drama. And I'm like, where'd that come from? Uh, This season was incredibly obstructed for me. Like we looked at each other and we were like, what the heck just <laughs> happened? And that scene was when Jesse felt like defending Will. So she pulled Casey for a chat and was talking 
about how Will shouldn't have apologized and Jesse felt like she should say that to Casey. And it felt like Jesse didn't even know what her point was. And she blamed it later in the beach hut on the fact that Casey wasn't understanding. But it was impossible to understand because nobody knew what was happening. And it was very obvious to both Benjamin and I that Jesse was prompted by a producer to be like, hey, you should pull Casey for a chat. So Jesse was like, had to come up with some reason to talk to him because uh, that's what the producer set up. And so she came up with this thing. Or maybe they even told her, you should pull Casey for a chat to talk about how he was wrong in the Will situation. Um, even though like they had already squashed it. Yeah. So yeah, that was a little bit like crazy. It was so out of left field. Because yeah. It was almost like they had given her that instruction and then Will and Tom and Casey had their chat and squashed it. And they were like, uh, okay, we don't, we're just not going to update Jesse or uh, we'll just have her do it anyways. Like they, it's like they had a plan and they were like, ah, whatever, just let it keep going anyways. And so her argument wasn't even convincing to herself. Yeah. It just seemed completely fabricated, which, yeah, to give them credit, rarely happens. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it has happened a few more times on other seasons, but that was pretty much the one big one. There were probably a few other things like Tom with a sports day. Like the producers oh were probably gosh. like, oh, this is funny. Like, But I also don't put it like I do feel like it could be the producers, but I also feel like it could be those immature boys just being idiots. Yeah. And that's kind of the fun thing. It's like what's real and what was uh, enhanced, you yeah, know, definitely because it definitely could have been real. It could have been something they like made fun of him for. But then they were like, yeah, keep pushing him um, versus, yeah, them just doing it on their own, not dropping it. Um, all right. So were you aware of any of the rules about Love Island prior to watching the show? None. Uh, I was actually kind of surprised at how little they explain about how the show works yeah. because there's a lot of stuff that like I had to ask you where I was like, um, what if they don't want to sleep in the same bed as somebody else? Or uh, like, I, I guess there's so many things that seem to be rigidly adhered to that are never explicitly stated. Everyone just kind of knows to go do them. And well, I would have loved to have heard why or, or when they found out about that. Yeah, no, I'm totally interested in that. And so I've read tons of articles. And this was actually something I was interested in before watching season nine, before even talking about doing this podcast with you. Um, so I've done like independent research on other seasons. And so like I kind of alluded to earlier, there is an actual rule book to Love Island and the contestants have to read it all the way through prior to entering. And then the rule book is located in the villa. And if they have any questions, they're like told to go read it again. Um, it actually is the only reading material provided to them while they're in the villa. There are no books um, and there's no entertainment either. That's so crazy. Which is, which is wild. And you know how they write their little declarations of love with pen and paper? Yes. Um, but you know how when they went to Casa Moore, they had their blindfolds and they were writing on them with like eyeliner? Yeah. It's because they don't have writing like <laughs> utensils. <laughs> Or a way to write or draw or express themselves in any way. They can't write. They can't read. They can't watch TV or listen to music. All of those things are stripped from them so that the producers have 24 good hours of entertainment. They're also encouraged to stay outside, which is why we don't see them inside except on rainy days because there's more cameras outside. There's better angles. There's 
more swimsuits and yeah oh when you put it like that nobody wants to watch someone else watch something like yeah imagine if love island was them hanging out on the couch yeah which, or like having to be a movie fair, night like is an actual what they're movie doing night. but when they're hanging on the couch they're talking to each other as opposed to just staring you know slack jawed at mm-hmm. breaking bad season four like it's uh or whatever you know they watch in uh england it would be <laughs> um breaking so- crumpets <laughs> So do you want to hear a few of the rules that um, yes. stood out to me? So is this a leak? Did somebody leak the rule book? So uh, I've never been able to find the actual rule book. I don't know if that is a documentation that is available publicly. I do know that I, I'm not sure if there is a rule in the rule book that says what they can and can't tell the public after. I don't know if they have to sign like an NDA about like very specific rules um but multiple islanders have come out and been able to like share certain Got things it. on podcasts or interviews or um even on the after sun yeah um and so i've just taken like this list and have compiled it um into some of the things that i thought were interesting and i think have a big impact on the way you watch the show because if you are unaware of any of these rules going into it you think that like you said it's it's pretty um convincing that it is reality and there are no like background producers like telling people where to go and what to do Um, but it's actually pretty rigid so the islanders they go into lockdown when they enter the set they do this for one week um, and this means their personal cell phones are taken away they're replaced with those iconic love island approved and provided i got a text cell phones (laughs) Um, and those are only allowing them to communicate with one another and with the producers um, during this one week lockdown, they are assigned a chaperone from ITV who watches them at all times to make sure they don't bump into any of the other contestants, because of course the other cont- contestants are in the vicinity, uh, prior to the first episode, uh, their personal phones aren't returned to them until after the contestant appears on after sun. So not after they leave the Island, they have to first do their interview, um, with the hostess, Maya, I don't remember her last name before they can even get on their phone. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. What a commitment. Yeah. And I'm not sure where the studio for After Sun is. I'm assuming it's in the in London or in England, at least. Dang. Um, so flying home with no phone. So I think they have to no fly phone? home with no phone. Wow. Yeah. So the second like big thing is um, the Islanders aren't allowed to know the time. And there are usually no clocks in the villa. Uh, some contestants <laughs> from different seasons claimed that there were clocks, but they were just set to the wrong times. So their phones don't work. Uh, for the time or they're set to the wrong time or they're all set to different times to confuse them. And even when they go on to dates, uh, the cars that they drive in, if they have to drive to a different location or ride to a different location, they don't ever drive except if you're Tom and you have a Ferrari. Yes. (laughs) Um, But they've changed the clocks in those or they have a clock and they have a watch and they're all different. Um, So really like disorienting. First of all, I would hate not knowing the time. So because there's no clocks in time, sleep schedules are enforced. So only the producers know, but the bedtime and wake up time are set. And from what people have gathered, the Islanders wake up around 9 a.m. And the schedule is pretty obvious from watching, but the girls get ready and the guys chat and have tea, make breakfast for their girl. The producers encourage the time after this to have their drama chats. Um, The Islanders are discouraged from spending much time in the pool because they'd have to take their mics off. The lunches and dinners are catered uh, or created by private villa chefs. The Islanders eat dinner around 3 a.m. sometimes uh, since the contestants have no sense of time in the villa. Uh, the afternoons what? are... What? Yeah. Isn't that insane? That, wh- 
That's, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, because they have their little parties in the evening, so they have to wait for the sun to go down, which it's in Spain in the summer, or the winter, I guess. Wait, this is in Spain? Mallorca, I think. Oh, I thought it was in South Africa. Oh, this one was, okay, yeah, winter was in South Africa, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. The normal villa is in Spain. Got it. Um, But, so I guess this was the summer, so I'm sure it was longer days, right? Because summer in January. Um, and so they wait till the sun goes down to start their partying. And then of course they have to have their after party chats and then they either have a recoupling, um, or whatnot. Yeah. And then you see them munching, but I'm pretty sure that's just snacks maybe before dinner. Cause they can't film that. They think that filming Islanders is uh, ugly. Like uh, filming Islanders eating is ugly. Oh, and then you've got like the mouth sounds with the, uh, with the microphones, microphones. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is at the end of the day, every Islander has to go and record their session in the beach hut. Yeah. So at any time there could be like 20 people having to go through the, <laughs> the beach hut recording however long the producers deem necessary. <laughs> and then they get to change clothes and eat dinner or whatever. Right. That's crazy. Or actually they have to eat dinner and then change clothes because they have to record the changing clothes montage, of course. Right, right. So the days are pretty strenuous. Um, and imagine going on like that little sleep. I mean, 3 a.m. to 9 a.m. That's like not very. That's not every day, though, is it? No, I don't think so. Okay. But it, it's like it's a pretty rigid schedule. And I think it depends on the activities of the day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, afternoons, those are the times for dates or challenges. Uh, the evening getting ready routine takes about two hours for the girls. Before bed, the Islanders all have to go to the beach hut again, like for their interviews and reflections. Um, and the villa is cleaned once a week. Um, and the Islanders laundry is done for them. So oh, that's nice. when the villa is cleaned, they're allowed to like go to the beach or hang out. Um, I think that's Saturday. And then the after sun happens on Sunday. But yeah, that's like pretty much the only time they get to get out of the villa unless they go on a date or on one of those like girls nights out or girls days out or whatever. Okay. So another rule, which is unsurprising to me, uh, conversations are controlled. So things that are, um, like the outside world and the lockdown period they had to endure. Um, those are things that the Islanders can't discuss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so weird because you would definitely want to talk about all those things. And yeah. never bring it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the producers, they'll tell them off if they're talking about brands or hymns, um, some, any other thing, anything super personal, uh, too much about their family or friends. They'll also tell them to stop talking about certain topics if they're just deemed uninteresting. So they'll just cut them off and tell them to switch their conversation topic. I wonder how many times Will got told to shut up about his farm. <laughs> his cute little cows and sheep and whatever. No, but he'll probably talking about some like less interesting animal mm-hmm. or like some vegetable that he really loves. And they're like, nope, Will, we're going to throw you out if you keep talking but about But this is why I want to bring sprouts. up these rules is because it's like, imagine trying to fall in love with somebody and you can't talk about like 80% of what makes you you, right? That's it's it's insane. Imagine just trying to live this way. This sounds very like it's it looks like it's paradise or whatever, right. but it seems really uh, just restrictive. Yeah. Oh, and like so many like things about mental health have come out of like because oh, yeah. of Love Island, um, and so it's just like on the one hand they do definitely have like sex counselors. So if they do have sex, they talk about it afterward. They go to therapy. They make sure that they're doing like safe practices and like all of the girls or most of the girls what i've read online um through several articles are on the pill and they skip like or they um what is it they like skip their period so that (laughs) imagine having your period while you're like in a bikini on television that would be terrible um i can only imagine what 
Ian, what's his name, would say. Oh, the Irish guy? The Irish guy would say, like, when you were cutting to someone having cramps. Yeah. And, like, whatever cheesy joke he would make. Oh, I'm sure it would be so hilarious and not misogynistic at all. Right. Um, Anyway, but it it is just interesting to think about all these, like, rules and regulations and things that you can do and can't do. And, like, yeah, not talking to your family, your friends. Again, those are all the things that make you you. Like, the five closest people you hang out with influence you so much. And in in the villa, it's like... You've spent eight weeks with them, so they're the ones who are influencing you. And once you go to the outside world, it's like, are you still the same person? Um, so it's interesting to hear interviews with them after the villa and to hear like their friends and family be like, oh, yeah, you were so true to who you are. And that really shone through versus where people are like, yeah, I don't I don't recognize you. Um, yeah, it. Yeah, that's just further reinforces how it's not about really what the stated goal of the show is it's about clout sharking you know yeah. you know pain no gain you know yeah. hanging out with your family and having like good times at the house is not going to get you a following on instagram it's definitely yeah. not going to get you any brand deals <laughs> um okay i'm gonna run through the rest of these real quick these rules uh so the islanders don't cook except for what they see on screen so like the coffee the breakfasts um and then the occasional the lads cook for the ladies episode um, contestants have to shower at certain times. Um, Islanders get paid while on the show, but only to supplement their living expenses outside the villa. Apparently, this is not that great of a pay, though. It's like 250 pounds a week. Um, and if you leave the show, like if you decide that you want to be off of the show, not like if you get dumped, then you aren't guaranteed to be paid. Um, some Islanders quit their jobs to come on the show. So there are instances where girls will go into Casa Moore or guys will go into Casa Moore having just quit their job, oh, no. be there for one week, <laughs> go home and be um, jobless. Or be like David. I don't know if David quit his job, but David, who was the first person to be dumped, yeah. who's only on the show for five days. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty insane. Contestants must wear their mics except one day a week, which is Saturdays. These are the days they're not filming. The Islanders receive certain beauty treatments. Uh, we did notice this, uh, especially the last episode. Oh my gosh, they when the production so quality weird, their is... last episode, because all their haircuts were different. Yeah, and even the girls will get their hair dyed and their nails will get done. So I think once a week, their nail techs come in and do touch-ups, um, which is why we would see Will with his little sheep on his fingernails. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the guys have a barber, because obviously if you went without a haircut for eight weeks, you probably wouldn't look that great. And this is all about looking good. So they're expected to pack for eight weeks, even if they obviously get kicked off. They don't know if they're going to do that or not. This totals around 20 bikinis or trunks and 20 to 30 dresses or outfits. Uh, We'll see contestants wear each other's clothes. And when contestants get kicked off, certain contestants will ask to keep their wardrobes. Um, So they might not pack everything with them when they leave. I think also that there have been certain seasons where there have been... Uh, some clothing provided clothing and accessories and maybe makeup as well uh, because of like brand deals like one season they had or maybe two or three seasons they had the specific baseball cap that all of them wore Mm. and I was like what is that like I haven't seen any brands before but of course it's the one that like advertised on Love Island actually right that makes sense exclusively I'm surprised actually there wasn't more of that on here because it's a perfect Mm -hmm. place to do it to have everybody be drinking, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. wolf cola or something. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's that gets us through all the rules. Um, and then I just wanted to read a few things about, 
like other interesting things I found on the articles. Um, so one contestant, Tyler Carr, who was on the show in 2017, said that producers set up scenes. So according to the Daily Star, she explained, what viewers don't see is there's always a producer on site. They don't live in the villa with us, but someone generally comes in every hour to have a chat. They would often annoy an, or annoy an announcement asking for someone to come to the sofa to have a chat with one of the producers. They tell you what they want you to talk about and who with. Uh, she went on to explain that if someone had an important chat without first informing the producers, then they would reshoot the scene. Wow. They also would reshoot the scenes to get those glamorous running out shots when they were about to go to challenges. Yes. And a lot of contestants say that the challenges were actually the least favorite part of their day because they would be in the afternoon after they'd sat out in the sun all day. They had to change their clothes, redo their makeup and hair and run and then do like usually in most cases some physical activity. And a lot of times they had to do multiple shoots per person. So they were there for hours shooting. And now that I know that I'm like, dang, that sucks. But I also the challenges are my favorite part to watch, <laughs> which makes sense. If they put that much effort and energy into it with the production quality, it makes sense that that's like the number one thing I want to watch. Right. But it, again, it reinforces this idea that with reality TV show, it's not about what's actually happening. Right. It's all about that. The, the end goal, the shot. I, I, it doesn't matter if these people are miserable for three hours, if it looks like they're having fun for four minutes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so another fun fact thing that I read when I was article searching, um, so, so most contestants, they apply to be on Love Island. They'll send in their little video or their questionnaire or their application. But in some cases, cases, the producers will scout out contestants. So if you have a pretty good following on Instagram already, um, and you're already a pretty attractive person, you already know how to do the brand thing. You know how to dress yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they will DM you. They'll slide into your DMs as wow. the Love Island official like UK account. Um, and they'll, they'll ask you to apply. Doesn't mean that the application process is easier. Apparently, it's a pretty strenuous process. You have to answer tons of questionnaires. You have to go into lots of in-person interviews. But... Uh, it's it's pretty interesting that they do do that like they scout and that's like where they look is Instagram which is the place that people end up popular on after the show so what was uh, the villa girl who ki uh, Tom kissed was that Lydia yeah the Casa Moore girl, you mean? Casa Moore, that's or, what I meant. she went into the villa it's kind of confusing but, no, but, yeah. no, but it, Casa Moore is what I meant and she um so I, when I was researching, I saw that she's like on TikTok. Mm -hmm. and I was actually surprised at how little like amount of engagement she's getting on TikTok. But one of her more recent TikToks she did was she was like, when a certain TV show slides into your DMs and she was like, oh, like implying. But mm -hmm. I don't know if that was another. T I have no idea what the reality TV show landscape looks like for former Love Island contestants. But I've seen, you know, like Jesse, they could come back. So I wonder if they were teasing, if she was teasing like a potential return of something yeah. in the future. Yeah. Um, and I guess another thing I just want to point out through all of these, uh, the rules that we mentioned and then the producers and kind of the behind the scenes stuff. It is interesting to me that, I don't know, somebody told me one time that if you end up at the same college as somebody else and you already have like one thing in, in common, you chose this college or like the same thing about a profession. Like if you end up in the same profession, then that gives you at least one common denominator. And so with this show, it's like you going onto the show gives you a really big common denominator with all the other people on the show who have 
kind of maybe the same motives, maybe the same belief system, potentially the same like ideas about fame and uh, attractive attractiveness um, and all these things. So if you're willing to go through the process of filling out the questionnaire, going through the application, going on these um, interviews and stuff, like you probably have some core, like, I don't know, commonality between these people. And so it actually, to me, makes it more believable that people could fall in love on the show because you already have a lot of things in common with some of these people. Wow. Maybe it's shallow. Maybe it's very like, oh, let's get famous and rich and be attractive together. But maybe they do actually align. Maybe they're wired the same way. Yeah, I mean. Because I would never do that. <laughs> two people that are shallow are just the, the same depth, right? So yeah. that matches for them. That's a really good point. It almost kind of comes all the way back around where it's like, oh, there's no love here because this is fake. But it's like, but they're both fake. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I um I want to mention a few of the people who are still together from previous seasons. Um, well, ju- really, just one couple. There were multiple couples. We've talked about this that have had gone on to have babies, gone on had to get married, gone on to just live together and be permanently like um, exclusive or boyfriend girlfriend or whatever. Um, there's actually been quite a few success stories, uh, and one of my favorites was from a season where. There was just tons of drama and there was this girl named Camilla and she had been on like the whole time. I don't remember if she was the starting uh, Islander girl or if she was a bombshell, but everybody loved her. She was super sweet. She was very smart and you didn't really get to hear how smart she was, but like she had a degree and like cared about people or whatever. Um, Toward the end, her man came in and swooped her off her feet and he was also smart. He was a model for like some underwear company under a brand um but they were like very obviously like very like in love and like attracted to each other and that was really cool to see start and I looked up an article of like who was together from Love Island the other day and the two of them are together they have two kids together they're so cute and they're just like living their lives and I'm just like it just makes sense like Camilla was looking for something very specific and he came in and he was that something specific because to me her personality was not a normal Love Island personality because she was pretty timid. She's very attractive, but she was smart. She used her brain. She was very like feminist. Um, <laughs> She's not much of a Love Island contestant. She was smart. She used her brain. So that really, I did not see that coming. I know that sounds really bad. But um, <laughs> but then he came on and, and he just came on then on the right season. Um, and that actually has happened where uh, certain contestants end without being with somebody, but then the next season they get with somebody who got off the show for another season. So it's like there's been Love Island crossover like seasons like in the real world. So like there's a community of Love Island contestants out there and they they get to know each other. So it's like, oh, you were on season four. Like I was on season two or whatever. Like let's chat. And so they do that. And that has has actually occurred. So I think it's pretty encouraging because obviously the point of well, I guess it's who you ask. But the point, I think, of the show is to find love. Probably also get rich and famous. Definitely to get but rich and famous. But it is encouraging to see that there are couples who come out of the show in love and married and with kids and thriving and having a good time in life. I'm a romantic. I think you can find love in just about any place. Um, you've got to be looking for it. And the right person has to be there. Uh, so, yeah, why not a show where you ostensibly are there to find someone to be in love with? <laughs> yeah. So do you have anything else you want to add with the about the producers or any of the acting on set off camera people coming on to play games. I think I've said my bit. Yeah. 
All right. Well, what quotable moments do you want to share? There are two quotes that stick out to me from our watch through of Love Island. And this is, again, the thing that I kind of want to experience. If I ever was to watch the show again, I would want to see it with a larger audience, right? To kind of see what memes come out of the show from other people. But just between you and me, there's two that I really liked. And it was uh, when Casey... I'm trying to remember the exact situation was, but I'm pretty sure it was after Lana yeah. chose Casey, mm-hmm. but then was snogging with Ron anyways. Casey can see them across the villa and he just like proclaims to the entire world. He's like, I feel like a dickhead. <laughs> and I thought that was funny. They played that clip multiple times. Yeah. They're like, tonight, I feel like a dickhead. <laughs> they, just, well, they made him look like such an idiot. Yeah. And we we were quoting that far before they started using it again. Like, as yes. soon as he said it, we were like, ah, that's hilarious. <laughs> and like, yeah, other people said that, but it, to us at that point, it was a Casey reference to call yourself, to, to not just call yourself a dickhead, but to like, proclaim it to everyone else that i feel like a dickhead yeah Uh, which i thought was funny and then the most iconic line in the show which is surprising because it comes from one of the least like experienced members of the show which is david uh because he was grasping at straws to try to find a way to flirt uh with tanya and they she comes up wearing a swimsuit that's similar color to his and he goes (laughs) wow matching <laughs> it was so funny yeah it's like I, I don't know it's hard i don't know if it's coming across through the way i'm saying it now but it just came across with like a like a, t- a tint of desperation and uh like lack of riz uh that made me just die yeah and now every time there's something that's matching we definitely get ex- impressed by that and and say wow matching yeah that's a super big like inside joke for us as soon as he said that we just looked at each other and laughed <laughs> Because, yeah, there are some, like, awkward, like, cringe pickup lines. I mean, we're watching them try to, like, get to know each other. And so, of course, it's, like, that awkward beginning stage. And, like, you give them grace and you are, like, it's fine. I'll give them a bit of the doubt. But this one was so funny. Like, the delivery was almost sarcastic yes. it was just like wow, <laughs> wow matching <laughs> so especially because it's in a british accent too which yeah. i think just makes it a little bit funnier because we're americans and that's not how we talk but mm-hmm. like because of situations like that it makes it all the more impressive when other people are able to not be awkward because i, I was really impressed with tom's ability to take a compliment yeah. because so many women were you're so Swimming. gorgeous, yeah. you know, just like they can't uh, hold up themselves. And Tom, who's probably heard that a bunch, was able to be like, oh, thank you, and like move on mm-hmm. and keep it like, you know, keep them on a similar level, which I think was important for building rapport, uh, which I was just super impressed. Uh, Agreed. Like Tom was, if he was never awkward, he was just Tom. Yeah. Tom. Um, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so do you have any Easter eggs to share? No, I didn't. I mean, you've just really blown me away with all the the rules and the behind the scenes <laughs> thing. I think that's super interesting. I maybe did they say this in the show, but I didn't know that Keenan was a professional rugby player. Like when I looked up the show on Wikipedia, there two of the like players or two of the Islanders had a blue link on their name. One of them was Tom, which I feel like they never stopped me- referencing Macclesfield, mm-hmm. and then. 
Keenan was uh, also he's a like he's on loan right now at some other club. So he's not just a player. He's also like, uh, you know, on a different team than he usually is. So I, I don't know. I was just I was like, oh, OK, I didn't realize he was a rugby player. Yeah, I'm not sure. We'd have to go back and watch his intro. They definitely um, did not harp on as much as Tom. To but, me, yeah. but but yeah, I, I don't even think it's that interesting. I think it's cool <laughs> that they come from a different sporting background. So it's like more common to be a semi-professional player there just because of the way their communities are structured around sports. But um, I just think sports are cool. So that's why mm-hmm. I thought that was a cool Easter egg. What about you? Yeah, I don't really know like what counts as Easter eggs for uh, seasons of shows, but um, I'm just going to share some some stuff. Uh, so each season comes with its own terminology. So the producers display large text around the villa with popular catchphrases. These are from usually prior seasons um, and some new phrases also appear. The very commonly used deep it phrase yes. um, shows up in this villa and I hadn't seen it before. So I'm unsure if the producers were ahead of the curve there and knew that they were going to use that or if they had that and they were like we're going to push for them to use this new terminology i think that one is a good one mm-hmm. i i feel like deep it is a useful phrase yeah i agree and it was definitely used a lot um but of course other phrases always tend to get used um it is what it is my type on paper uh putting <laughs> putting all of my eggs in one basket i've got a text yes um and i'm keeping my options open um just to name a few the other Easter egg I wanted to share was some of the previous Islanders they come back to be on uh, to be guests on the Love Island After Sun episodes Um, some are one-time guests who serve cocktails behind the bar uh, during the episode and comment on some stuff Uh, and then others appear weekly alongside the hostess to chat about their opinions on the latest tea so this season India who was a former contestant of Love Island was um uh, a regular uh, mm. on After Sun, so it's interesting because they do have probably better opinions than we do, having been in it themselves. So it's interesting to see what they're what they think. You know, obviously they don't know these people, and they're not, they're not in there with them. But having been through the experience themselves, I'm sure they can grab a lot more um, specific like details from that. Right. Just to bring it back to sports, it's like when a pro athlete retires and becomes a commentator, because plenty of great commentators or, you know, analysts don't even have that impressive of careers. They just play and then that's they become great as analysts. Mm -hmm. But it starts with they get a foothold because they've actually done it. Mm -hmm. So I could see that being important when you're analyzing the show. All right. So that is Love Island season nine. Benjamin, what is your rating? I give Love Island season nine a golden champagne glass, but it's filled with non-alcoholic soda. (laughs) It looks really great, uh, but it's also eh, on the inside. Nice. Um, I give Love Island a fake running and cheering while an invisible Irishman makes jokes at my expense. (laughs) So. I did love every time there was a party. They were like, yes, a party. <laughs> we haven't done this since yesterday. Yeah. Uh, that was, I love the energy. Yeah. Very produced. Well, there you have it, folks. That was Love Island Season 9 on Affable Chat. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Affablechat.com is your new favorite website on the internet. That's where you can find the latest from us and all our social accounts, including Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, all of which are at AffableChat, and even our email address, AffableChat at gmail.com. If you liked this episode, then tell a friend about it. All you have to say is, have you considered listening to Affable Chat? 
All you have to say is, I've got a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, check us out. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, Liesl, thank you for guest hosting. Yeah, uh, it was really a, a weight off of my shoulders. I mean, <laughs> what a relief. Uh, you did a great job. And uh, we should really do this again. Not for Love Island, though. Yeah, not for Love Island. We're retiring. It's a really long time from now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's going to do it for this episode for Apple Chat. I'm Benjamin. I'm Liesl. Thanks for listening.